Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Thank you, God, for your spirit that's been in the house tonight. Hallelujah. You can be seated tonight. I'm excited to be here tonight. Tell you what, there's nothing like going to prison to just make you excited. Excited. Coming back from the prison, I had high school kids and workers that knew I'd gone to the prison. And we have some of those girls that come into the office and work with me. And they're like, we want to know how things went in prison. I just looked at him. I said, well, your beliefs may not be like mine, but I saw women get the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. <laughs> they kind of just looked at me. I'm like, God saved a bunch of women. That's all I'm telling you. So it was awesome. It was so awesome. I'm sure this coming weekend, we'll tell you a little bit more about all that. But man, there's nothing like going to prison and seeing women in prison worship. Because I tell you what it just does to me. It just convicts me to say, God, don't ever let me let down on my worship because you've been too good to me. And if a woman that's incarcerated, who has made so many mistakes in her life and wound up there and didn't know how she got there, can raise her hands and worship in a, in a prison, mm-mm. God convict me, convict me. Well, tonight we're gonna talk about the five love languages. I looked around the room and I believe everybody here took the assessment last week except for one and I already know that they retook it this week so some of them are not here but we're just gonna get going. Thank you for starting my timer so I can keep an eye on it. I appreciate that, Brother Zach McGee. So last week you all took the assessment and uh, I went through each of them just to make sure that all the numbers were added up correctly because on the back all the numbers should total 30. So if you see a little scribbling on yours and it crossed out in another number written, that's where I went back and reassessed your numbers because there maybe was one missing. So if that's what you see, that was me. All right, so I fixed it for you. So when I marked them first, second, most of them. So your five love languages, this is very important. Most of us grew up learning to speak the language of our parents. If you grew up in an English-speaking home, you learn to speak English. People that grew up in a Spanish-speaking home learn to speak Spanish. Now, they may have gone to a public school where they learned to speak English, but what do they do when they go home and talk to their family? They speak Spanish, right? Because that's their primary language. And that becomes what is known as their native tongue. And so as we go on in time, we may learn additional languages, maybe one or two, or as Brother Mason, four, five, seven, eight, ten, whatever. But it usually takes a lot of work, doesn't it? Because when we learn to speak a language as a baby, our mama, dada, ball, dog, all those things, it becomes easy. But later in life, we start to learn other languages. It can become more difficult. It requires more work, more intentional learning. And so when we're talking about love languages, the idea is not that much different. If you have two people trying to express love to each other and they don't speak the same language, they may never truly understand how to love each other. So I've asked Brother and Sister Mason to do a little example for me. So I'm asking just to kind of come up here for a second. You all know that Brother Mason has learned a lot of different languages, more languages that he knows than what his wife knows. So I'm going to ask him just to express some words to his wife tonight, all right? Uh, 
All right. Now, I tell you what, those sounded like some great words. Can you tell me what he said to you? No, but his eyes said it all. So you don't know what he said. Can you tell us what you were speaking and what you were actually saying? So the language is Hebrew. I said, my dear, I love you, and I need you in my life. Now, see, did you see the response once she knew what he said? Aww. When she first said it, though, he's like, well, I don't know, but, you know, her beautiful, his eyes said it all. Thank you, guys. Can we give them a hand? Okay. So the idea here is that each of us have our own love language. It's the way that we receive love and feel loved. Now, our spouse may be showing us love in all the ways they know how. But if they're not speaking our love language, we're still not going to feel loved, okay? Let me give you an example. Let's say we have a husband and a wife. Let's say at this stage of their life, they have a couple of young kids at home, and a husband comes in from work, and the wife, she's cooking supper. She got to talk to her husband that day at lunchtime, and how are things going? You know, oh, it's all right. You know, baby's been a little fussy and, you know, ran out of milk today, and, uh, but uh, doing okay. And so he comes in, she's cooking dinner, and he's like, man, babe, that smells good. Thank you so much for taking time to cook dinner. I know it's been a rough day. And she's still going, and she's thinking, yeah, the baby's fussing. I'm trying to cook. Words are cheap. And then it goes on, and he sits down. Man, babe, this tastes delicious. So, and I really like that dress you're wearing. That looks so good on you, you know? And uh, she's thinking, oh, words are cheap. If he had only just, he knew we were out of milk, you know, he wants to come home and say all these flowery things, but he could have picked up milk on the way home. Now, that would have really shown me love. And when he got home and I'm trying to cook, he could have tended to the baby so I could get things done. So, see, I'm going to begin to explain to you about the five different love languages and how you can be trying to show love to your spouse, but they don't seem to feel loved, and vice versa, how your spouse may be trying to show love to you, but it just don't seem like it's working, okay? Now, understanding your, each other's love languages can be so revolutionary for your marriage. And I'm telling you this because about 10 years in is when we kind of discovered this, um, my husband and I, and we already had a good marriage, but it took a good marriage and made it great. Because once you really understand how your spouse gives and receives love, it is just so amazing how much it can change. Because what it means is that you're communicating love in a way that your spouse can receive and understand. And then it keeps your marriage and your love alive and excited for a lot of years. So tonight, as we start talking about the love languages, and yes, I'm probably going to talk fast because I have a lot to fit in, okay? Because um, I want to get through this tonight. So I know my husband can relate to that. <laughs> a lot of material in a short time. But you know what? I try to keep it under an hour, but he went an hour and ten minutes here recently. So, you know, as long as I don't go longer than him, we're good, right? So, <laughs> so tonight, you're going to learn about yourself because you each have a paper that tells you, this is what my love language is, but I don't know what it means yet. So you're going to learn about yourself. But I also want you not to tune out when I begin to talk about the love language of your spouse, okay? I want you to learn about your spouse and how they give and receive love. Dr. Chapman says in his book, The Five Love Languages, the object of love is not getting something you want but doing something for the well-being of the one you love. Let me say that again. The object of love, it's not getting something you want, 
but doing something for the well-being of the one you love. In other words, you're not doing things to show love to your spouse in order to get something. You know, that's manipulative. But you're doing it just because you love, just to show them love, okay? All right, so we're going to go through. We talked about love language and why they're important. I'm going to go over what are the five love languages. I'm going to give you ideas on how to speak it, okay? I'm going to answer three questions. If you're unsure, if maybe you're like, I scored high on two or three areas or I tied, kind of how to confirm. And I'm going to go over some common questions and answers. Now, just for my own curiosity, before I uh, brought them back tonight, I just kind of went through because I wanted to see what the breakdown of love languages were in our group. And like I said, some are missing um, from last week. But we had five love languages. And the very first one, the um, words of affirmation, we had three in here that were words of affirmation, okay? And there was um, one male, two female. We had seven that were the second one, which was, I, all I got them up here is A, B, C, and D. So let me look on my paper here so I make sure I get it right, which was quality time. So we had seven quality time. We had um, five that were male and two that were female. Surprisingly, zero people's love language in here was gifts. Maybe because people have an idea of what they think gifts is, but maybe not. We'll see. And then we had six people that scored under acts of service. There was two male, four female. And finally, on the last one, physical touch, we had eight people, four male, four female. So it was just kind of interesting. I just kind of did that for my own sake. Um, and we had a couple people that tied across the top where two or three were the same, so they weren't included in those numbers. But let's get right to it then, all right? First love language, words of affirmation. So it's rare that some couples have the same love language, but some do. And if you do, it's almost kind of an advantage because if you both, if you know what you, how you receive love, it should be easier for you to show that same type of love, okay? All right, so words of affirmation. What's really important for people who their love language is words of affirmation, first of all, would be things like words of appreciation, verbal compliments, that to them is very powerful. People whose love language is words of affirmation have to hear, I love you. It's not just something that, well, they should know. They need to hear it regularly. I love you. Um, maybe something like some of the things I was saying earlier where the guy came home and was expressing love to his wife. Oh, you look so nice in that dress. Thank you for fixing dinner. Those are the words of affirmation. And so showing those to someone who that is their love language really, really builds them up because they're noticed. It's very affirming. It's very motivating for them. Um, also, words of affirmation can be like encouraging words, um, inspiring courage. Maybe your spouse um, has low self-esteem or low self-confidence in an area, and your words can boost them up. Babe, don't feel bad. You know, you're doing a great job. You shouldn't feel bad. You, I mean, look at the strides you've made. You know, you, you're really doing a great job. And those words to someone with that love language, man, it really builds them up. And in order to be an encourager, in order to encourage with words, you have to be able to kind of see the world from your spouse's point of view. How are they seeing things? You have to be empathetic. You have to be able to have sympathy, okay? So we have to learn, though, then what is important to our partner. What are the things that they get discouraged about? What are the things that bother them? Where can I pull in encouraging words to lift them up, okay? Kind words, kind words. And when I say kind words, when someone's love language is words of affirmation, it's not just the words you say, it's the tone of voice that you use, right? 
okay? For example, you know, Sister Mason, she didn't know the words he was using, but by his tone of voice and expression, she knew he was saying something kind. She knew that he was saying something loving. So you can say something to someone, and they can understand the words you're saying, but if you say it in a hateful way, it's not going to be meaningful, okay? I'm going through, and I'm going to kind of give you an overview of all the love languages. Then I'm going to come back and break down actual tangible, physical, everyday actions you can take to show that love, okay? Also important to someone who has words of affirmation as their love language is words of forgiveness. You know, sometimes people have a spit spat and then they drop it and they just go on. But someone who has words of affirmation, it's important for them to hear the words, I'm sorry. It's important for them to hear when they have apologized, I forgive you. It's words, words matter. Words are important, okay? So next can be humble words. And that's where you're using words to make requests, not demands. It kind of goes back to what we've talked about in the past couple weeks about like the I statements, you know, I need, I want, I would like. Um, it goes back to using our words to request our desires, to request things that we would like. And here's the difference between a request and a demand. A demand leaves no room for choice, right? But we can't force someone to love, right? We can't force someone to love us. It's their choice to love us. So if we make a request, then that allows them the choice of if they're going to meet the request or not, okay? And so that kind of brings that in. And then that kind of gives them a feeling of self-worth. They have a possibility to express love, but a demand, it just kind of suffocates that, okay? Here's another thing that's really important when someone's love language is words of affirmation. If this is your spouse's love language, then it's really important that when you're not around them, you may speak highly of them, maybe to their parents or to someone in the community or to a friend. And what is even greater is when word comes back around to your spouse, yeah, your wife, your husband was just talking about the other day and telling about how great you were or how great a job you did or you know how accomplished you are at this. Man, then that really raises the bar because they didn't just say it to my face, they said it to someone else about me. I mean, how amazing is that, right? It's really, really great. So it's really, really neat whenever you can do that and it comes back. Um, another um, type of expression of that might be if someone has words of affirmation as their love language, maybe their spouse went on social media and wrote a long thing about how great their spouse was and how they just are so proud of them and what they do and all that. And it just the whole world is told how great their spouse is in words. And then their spouse sees that. That's a big boost. That's very meaningful to them. Now, on the flip side, if a love language is words of affirmation, there is nothing more detrimental to that person than insults and criticisms and angry words. For someone that that's their love language and that's what's the most meaningful to them, then when there are hurtful words said, when there are insults, when they are put down, when they are made fun of, when they are criticized, that is like a dagger through the heart. That's like a dagger through the heart for them, and it's harder for them to recover. So for words of affirmation, it just comes back to what it says, words, all about your words, using your words, okay? Second love language, quality time. Quality time has to do with being together with your spouse. If this is your spouse's love language, then what's important to them is time spent with you that is uninterrupted, and undivided attention, okay? It could even be something as simple as going on a walk, playing a game of tennis, both reading the same book and discussing it. 
There can be different things you can do. It's not such a big deal what the activity is as much as a vehicle that creates a sense of togetherness for the couple, that they experience something together. Often for couples who, one of the spouses, if their love language is quality time, being able to get away on a date or get out of town for a day or two and just spend time together with nobody else around, no distractions from work or church or family obligations, just time spent together creating a memory, that is really important to them, okay? It also is important whenever the people that value quality time, that includes quality conversation. Now, that's a little bit different than from like words of affirmation in the sense that quality conversation involves depth, listening, asking questions. Maybe the spouse who has quality time, they may want to tell you something. They may want to share some things that are on their heart. And for them, if quality time is a big deal to them and they're trying to speak to their spouse and their spouse is distracted, maybe they're watching TV or looking at the paper or looking at their phone or trying to do work on their laptop or something like that, then they feel really unloved because quality time is so valuable to them. And so they want to know that they have their spouse's undivided attention, okay? Eye contact when they're talking, listening, listening for feelings, asking questions, engaging. So learning to talk. And for some of us, that doesn't come as easy, but we're going to talk about how to learn how to speak your spouse's love language if it doesn't come easy for you. It means you have to be aware of expressions, aware of emotions, and things like that, okay? Um, quality activities, okay? And these activities can be things that both of you have an interest in or even just one, okay? Again, the em emphasis is not on what you're doing, but why are you doing it, okay? The purpose is to experience something together and to walk away from it with feeling. So one year, like my husband, he surprised me for my birthday, and he always knew I always wanted to go see Phantom of the Opera, and they were playing at the Fox Theater. And so he surprised me, and, and we got tickets, and we went and saw it together, and we got to talk about it on the way home and what the neat things were and how the chandelier, and, like, it was an experience, and both of us got to be immersed in it and experience it and then talk about it. And then now that's still a really fond memory for us to look back on because we did it together. It was quality time. Um, the times that we got to go to Deluge, and we got to just go sit on you know, a hammock on the beach and just talk about whatever we wanted to talk about, no care in the world, cell phones on silent, and just enjoying the breeze. Now we can look back and say, wasn't that a really good time together? Because we just spent time with just each other, and it was uninterrupted, okay? So the, the feeling you want to have when you walk away from this is, my partner cares for me. They were willing to do something with me that I enjoy, and they did it with a positive attitude. So a good example, of course, you know, it's no secret how much I love football, especially the Vols. And so whenever I was able to get tickets to a Vols game in Tennessee, football, my husband can take it or leave it. He's pretty much only enjoying it now because I enjoy it so much. And so if he sits down and watches a game with me, or for example, whenever I got those tickets to the game, that wasn't really a big deal to him. It wasn't, I mean, he could take it or leave it. But you know what? He chose to go put on his hoodie that says, I married into this with the big T on it and his hat and go sit up on the bleachers and watch the game and root for my team because that's something I enjoy. You know what he was doing? He was spending quality time with me doing something that I enjoyed. And he did it with a great attitude, right? So that's really, really important. Um, for him, something he loves to do is ride his motorcycle. And it doesn't happen too often that I can go ride with him because we can't, obviously, 
Well, I mean, we guess we could leave the kids at home, but we might get in trouble for it. But uh, when I do get to ride with him, it's a relaxing time, um, something that he enjoys, and so I'll go do it with him. So basically the reason why you're doing these activities is to express love to your spouse by being together, okay? Sometimes it requires careful, careful planning. He had to plan for that Phantom of the Opera thing. He had to look online, buy the tickets, plan for it down the road. We're going. It's at this time. We're going to have to get a room. You know, he planned it. So sometimes we have to give up individual activities or individual things in order to carve out space for our spouse because you all know life demands a lot of all of us jobs and family and all that and if you're not purposeful about it it'll just fly by and before you know it there's no quality time spent and your spouse feels really unloved okay so it's really important and here's the thing guys I know I'm talking about like a football game or going to an opera or something like that it doesn't have to be that though quality time could be as simple as at the end of the day before you go to sleep you're laying in bed and you're facing each other and you spend 20 minutes talking about your day and how was your day anything exciting happened how do you feel um, for my kids um, quality time ranks high in their love language I've done this love language assessment on my kids so I know how they give and receive love and I've gotten into the habit you know a lot of times we used to ask our kids well how was your day it was fine it's okay but now I've been gotten in this habit I started asking my kids what was the favorite part of your day what was your least favorite part of today? You know, just asking them open-ended questions to create quality conversation with them, okay? So discussing, so that's really important for quality time people, okay? Number three, receiving gifts. Now you might say, man, if your love language is receiving gifts, how materialistic is that? And it, has, it could be further from the truth, okay? Receiving gifts um, through the years, We'll talk about love languages if they change or fluctuate and how that happens and if it does. But um, sometimes gifts can become an important part of a relationship. And it's not about the gift, okay? Even though it's called receiving gifts. The idea behind someone whose love language is receiving gifts is, my spouse was thinking of me when they weren't with me. And they took the time to get this me. It could be something as simple as they was at the gas station getting gas and they went in to pay and they saw this little bucket that had some roses in it and they go, oh, I think I'm going to take that home to my spouse, you know, or, you know, at the grocery store at the checkout and, you know, sometimes be like, oh, I know my husband's favorite candy bar is a zero bar. You know what? I think I'm going to grab him one of those and take it home just because, just because, no reason. And so it's not about the gift. It's about the thought behind the gift, right? It could be a note left on a mirror you know maybe one spouse gets up before the other one and has to go to work and so the other spouse gets up later and comes in and there's a little note oh my goodness you know that just to a person that receives gifts I mean they're probably gonna have a tote or a box with all their little sentimental treasures in it because they just so appreciate the thought behind the gift okay because if you're if your spouse is a gift or receiving gifts is their love language then it's important that you're thinking of them when you're not with them. It could be something like, you know, you're running through a store to grab something and you see a shirt and like, oh my goodness, they would love this. You know, maybe your husband is a Star Wars fan or a superheroes fan and you see the shirt and you're like, oh my goodness, this is so perfect. They would love it. And so you just grab it for them. So that to them is really important. Now, for someone whose love language is receiving gifts, things like birthdays and anniversaries and Christmas, that's a big deal to them, okay? If those things go forgotten, I mean, it doesn't have to be some extravagant gift, but if there's no card, no note, nothing, then that doesn't speak love to them. They kind of feel 
unloved because those things are really important in their mind. And you all know that there is an intangible gift we can give, and that's the gift of ourselves. Just the gift of ourselves and being present, being there when your spouse needs you. You know, being there, that's, that's a priceless gift. There, you can't put a price on that. Okay? Um, so I'm going to give you some ideas later, but you're going to have to take note. Some people are like, I have no idea what to buy my spouse. Like, I wouldn't have the first clue. Well, you know, there's some great things out there that can help you with that. There's, you, you know, I tell my husband, he, him and I both have Amazon wish lists where if we see something online we like, we throw it on the wish list. This is what, something I'd like to have. And periodically we'll go and check it. And, you know, here so <laughs> recently for Valentine's Day, I was so excited because my husband had some things on his wish list that wasn't books. I was like, yes. I was so excited. He had this gospel CD and he had this Newton's Cradle thing he wanted for his desk. And I was so excited. So, I ordered that Newton's Cradle that he wanted, and oh my word, if it wasn't the dinkiest, plastic, most horrible thing you ever seen, it was awful. I was so bummed. He opened, he opened, because I didn't open it and take it out. He opened it, and he, you know, took the ball, and it was like, click, 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 stop. I mean, it didn't do nothing, so guess what? We packaged it up and sent it back, so that didn't work too good. But <laughs> it was a thought that counted, right? It was a thought that counted. He still had a zero bar and some really cool socks in there anyway so maybe you know three out of four three out of four but uh gifts are important whenever that's your spouse's love language okay another thing you can do is recruit help from family or friends um i know when we've gone to preach out sister mason i don't know how many times she's gotten a facebook message from somebody what is your brother and his wife like to snack on what do the kids like what's they into and we'd show up and there'd be a gift basket in our room with all of our favorite snacks and something cool for trevor that was spider-man or batman or whatever he was into and something pretty for mariah maybe a scarf and you know because they took the time to invest and find out what they liked and if you take the time to find out what your spouse likes i mean for goodness sake have them take a survey what's your favorite color when we used to do um exchange gifts years and years and years back as ladies mainly what's your favorite perfume what's your favorite color what size do you wear what i mean you can make a list um there's times that i've made a list on my phone of just different things that i'd like and my husband had been on my phone and he he sent it to himself and he has it saved on his phone so he has a list so he always has ideas right so it doesn't have to be anything big though just remember that it can be something very simple and inexpensive as a candy bar or a note or even list a little card from the Dollar Tree for 50 cents that you wrote in all right okay language number four acts of service acts of service the Bible even tells us to serve one another and love and acts of service means doing things you know your partner would like for you to do okay you're trying to please them by serving okay that it's going to require some effort. It's going to require some energy, maybe even some planning or some time, okay? So in acts of service, which I can speak to this one for sure because um, my husband's been in active service love language for years. And so some of our languages are determined a little bit kind of like by our DNA. You know, if we were neat and organized as a child, we're probably going to be neat and organized as an adult. If we were more relaxed and laid back, then that's probably going to be more how we are as an adult. And that's kind of the same way with the love languages. We typically have one that's kind of our primary through our whole life, even though others may ebb and flow higher through our life, depending on what stage we're in. And so with acts of service, I wish I had known this right off the bat, but 10 years in, discovering 
his love language being acts of service. Some of it may have been innate and just kind of um, in his DNA, but also growing up, he had an awesome mom that she made sure there was dinner on the table. She made sure the house stayed nice and things like that. And so he grew up in a home where love was expressed through acts of service, right? Because that's the way his mom, she was always doing for others, doing for the family. And so he grew up in that type of atmosphere, and I didn't with that type of love language spoken. Our family did more things like quality time and such. So there's no one love language better or, or than the other. Everybody just has their own. So once I learned that that was his, then it kind of began to click. It kind of began to click in my mind. So for people whose love language is acts of service, um, if like for me, if he comes home from you know a long day studying and such and I have dinner ready, that means so, I mean, that means the world to him. I mean, we got to eat dinner anyway, and if I got it ready and hot when he walks through the door, he just feels wow. I mean, he's even thanked me. There's times going, man, babe, thanks so much. This dinner's great. Thanks for having it ready. Or if he walks in and, you know, the house is, looks nice, and, you know, I've had the dishwasher loaded with the dishes before he got home and the living room, you know, oh, wow, because then he can come home and relax because as an acts of service and then also tied into her personality if there's things undone he can't rest and relax because he wants to get up and do them so if he can walk in and those things are done for him if um hey babe i got the laundry caught up your laundry's laying on the bed ready to go it's clean that means the world to him um <laughs> this past weekend some of his stuff got left at the hotel and we went to buy the coffees and so he didn't have some his t-shirts and things he needed and all he had was what he was wearing. Thankfully, there's a washer and dryer there. So I got his stuff, and I said, okay. So I went, and I put it in the washer before we went to bed. And then I got up while we were still sleeping early next morning, went out there, put it in the dryer. And so when he got up to get ready for church, that stuff was dried. Something very simple, but to him that was very meaningful because an act of service, okay? So um, I think sometimes, too, on the flip side, if, like, if a wife's is acts of service, when couples are dating, what people do before they get married doesn't always indicate what they're going to do after they get married. Because some guys are in that, you know, pursue and seize and conquer. And once they've conquered, ah, oh, done, I can sit back and relax. I don't have to do it anymore. You know, I got it. But it's important that if, if the spouse's love language is acts of service, that we don't just do all the things we can for them, get married, and then stop doing those things. Because then they're going to stop feeling in love. They're going to stop feeling loved. Okay. Now, one good indication for you, maybe you may say, well, I'm not real sure what my spouse's love language is, or they, they took this assessment, but sometimes what our spouse complains about the most is a good indicator of how they're feeling unloved, okay, right? So my husband is not a complainer by nature, but if the house got messy, he'd usually stay quiet, but one, sometimes he'd just be like, oh, it would stress him out. And that would be the thing he might come. And that was an indication to me, you know, he's feeling a little unloved because these things are being neglected. And that wasn't on him. It, and, you know, emotions aren't good or bad. Emotions are just emotions. They're just how we feel in response to life and what happens to us in life, right? There's not bad or good. It's just how we feel. So understand that our, our spouses can respond with emotions based on how they are receiving love or not receiving love, okay? So you might say to your spouse, if their love language is acts of service, hey, babe, you know, what are some things that you'd like to see done around here that you've, you know, had trouble getting caught up on? Just list three or four things, you know, just three or four things, and, and just tell me what they are. And then you could take that list and maybe, 
knock one of them off for them in a month or in a week or just take some time and just do those things definitely would make a difference to that person, okay? And we're going to come back and talk about some ways that you can do acts of service. Number five, physical touch, okay? Physical touch is kind of a fundamental expression of love. It kind of meets an essential need within each of us. Although some people say, like, last thing I want to do is have someone hug me. Like, no thank you. No, no touchy, no feely. I didn't grow up in a home like that. No thank you, right? But for some people, physical touch is highly important. And I don't want you to get the idea that physical touch is all about intimacy because it's not, okay? Physical touch is a whole lot more than that. And some people get in their mind that they get the idea that maybe they think that their husband's drive is higher well, then that must be physical touch. That must be their love language. But don't make that mistake, okay? Because that's not always the case. Physical touch includes things like holding hands, a simple hug. Physical touch is my primary love language. So for me, nine out of 10 nights when we go to bed at night, you know, we're getting ready to go to sleep. Maybe we've talked or read or whatnot. I'll be like, babe, will you rub my back for a couple of minutes? I mean, like you can almost program what the conversation will be. And, and sometimes he'll be, you know, he'll, he'll be like, no, I'm not doing it. And I know that he's just joking, you know. Or he'll say, for a minute. And then if he's reading something, a book or something, it could go for a lot longer than a minute. And I don't just say nothing. I just smile and enjoy it while it lasts, you know. <laughs> but he does that because that's my love language. And just a simple background, sometimes... I'll come home on my lunch hour and I'll be getting ready to go back and he'll walk over and just, you know, put his hands on my shoulders and kind of just massage my shoulders for a minute or give me a hug before I leave or a kiss. Those things are really important to someone who physical touch is their primary love language. And not just at home and not just in the bedroom, but man, if someone's love language is physical touch, it means the world to them. If you're out there in public and, you know, maybe walking in the mall or at a ball game and that you're spouse comes over and just puts their arm around you or reaches down there and grabs your hand. I mean, that just means the world, right? I mean, for me, when we get to go to, like, conference or something, and my husband gets to sit by me in church, and when they start to pray, he takes my hand or puts his arm around me, just like, this is heaven on earth, heaven on earth, because, you know, most of the time he's up there and I'm out here. So you may notice once in a great while, you know, when we're having prayer, I may go find wherever he's at, even if you're on the platform, and pray with him. Not because always that I feel like he's under some great dire need, but sometimes I just want to be close to him and go pray with him because that's just, you know, that's my love language, physical touch, and I feel close to him when we're close together, okay? Now, um, for the same token, if someone's love language is physical touch, if their spouse has physically abused them, that has rocked and devastated their world because they receive physical touch in a very negative way, okay? So to them, that just is, it just shuts them down completely to where they feel no love at all. It completely decimates them, okay? So it's important that it's, it's the gift of touch. It really is. I mean, and if you think about not all touch is created equal, think about this sense, okay, like Trevor, his quality time and physical touch kind of um, are side by side. And so, of course, us together as a family is important. Um, when we've been gone, our kids really miss us. I mean, I think Mariah literally FaceTimed us for like two hours on our trip home. Not even didn't have to say anything, but just laying on her bed looking at our faces as we drove just because she missed us because quality time is her primary. Trevor, physical touch is his. Now, you know, as he gets older and you think, you know, 
not all teenage boys are created equal either. They may not want mom coming around giving them hugs and kisses, right? But you think about a teenage boy wrestling with his dad or you coming up and giving him the old elbow or, you know, the little fist bump or the, you know, a little punch on the shoulder. Hey, son, how you doing? You know, things like that. That's still physical touch. But it's a physical touch that maybe a teenage boy doesn't feel like embarrassed about or feel like that's weird or something. So you find creative ways to show love in that way, okay? So it can be a multitude of things as long as it's done in a loving way fun way okay and even though I said it doesn't always include it I mean it's not only intimacy for physical touch intimacy is important okay so if someone's love language is physical touch and maybe they're not feeling like they're receiving physical touch they may say something like I feel like the only time we come together is when I initiate it you know then that might be an indication that they're not receiving the physical touch that they desire okay so Here's some ideas. So now we're going to go back um, to words of affirmation, and I'm going to give you some ideas. Like, okay, I understand what it is, but what are some things I can do? Now, if you go online, you can find Five Love Languages has a website, and you can actually sign up for emails, okay? I get a weekly email that has all the different love languages in that email, giving me an idea of something I could do to show love to my spouse. So if my spouse's love language is acts of service, it'll give me a tip on there. Here's an idea of something you could do to show love to your husband whose love language is acts of service. So if you're like, I'm so stumped, I wouldn't even know where to start, that's a good place to start, okay? So words of affirmation. Um, Put you a three by five card in the mirror that says words are important, words are important, words are important, okay? So you might wanna start keeping a list. Think about, sometimes we say things and take no stock of what we say. And a lot of times, there are times we speak before we think right okay so we've got to be purposeful about our words if words of affirmation is important to our spouse okay so in other words you purposefully and intentionally say positive things to your spouse you did a great job on this meal you look really nice in that outfit I really appreciate you mowing the lawn today Um, I really appreciate you picking up milk at the store and so you might at the end of the day just jot down these are the things that I said to my spouse today and you make a little note On Tuesday, I said this, this, and this, okay? This can be a revealing thing for you about how well or how poorly you're speaking words of affirmation to your spouse. Because if you start writing down, what's some positive things I told my spouse today? Uh, You don't know, but you can remember all the negative things you said. Then you know that you're doing damage to your spouse, okay? All right? Maybe set a goal to give your spouse a different compliment each day for one month, okay? There's a saying that Dr. Chapman said, if an apple a day keeps the doctor away, maybe a compliment a day will keep the counselor away. (laughs) So try it. You may be surprised, okay? You can also observe other people's conversations, uh, things you read, things on TV, and you listen for words of affirmation and things that are spoken to give you ideas. It's not wrong to research and say, what are some kind words and compliments I could say to my spouse to get started? That's not wrong, okay? Something else you can do if you're like, well, I'm not good always at speaking, or I I stumble over my words, or it doesn't come out my mouth like I have it in my head, write it. Write him a little note, send him a text, a little love letter, a little love, and give it quietly without a lot of fanfare, okay? Something else you can do. Now, you heard me say compliment your spouse to others when they're not around. But you know what else you can do? You can compliment your spouse to others 
in front of them. I mean, of course, they'll be like, stop, you're embarrassing me, you know. But inside, they're just glowing, like, oh, they said, that was, they said that, you know, about me. That's just so cool, you know. So, I mean, especially if you do it in the presence of your spouse's, like, parents or, you know, then, I mean, your spouse's parents are going to think, man, I got a great son-in-law or a great daughter-in-law. Man, did you hear they were speaking about my child? I mean, my husband has always been really complimentary and kind with his words to me. That's not my main love language, but he has done it. And I distinctly remember my mom has actually said to him and written to him or commented on a post, I am so appreciative of the words you've spoken about my daughter. I know she is well cared for. So, I mean, man, he's chalking up points with the in-laws, too. It's really good, okay? Something else you can do if you still have children at home, tell your kids how great their mom is. Tell your kids how great their dad is. Man, don't you know your dad is awesome? I mean, you've got a really cool dad. Do you know that he took a time out of his day to go and, and, and he spent an hour doing this with you? I mean, you build up your spouse to your children. And I promise you, that's going to reap benefits that you cannot even count. Okay? Because too many people are tearing down their spouse in the presence of their children. You want to build them up. I won't even go down that line because you're just asking for trouble when you start doing those things for sure. Because... That's a whole nother lesson for a whole nother day. Okay, quality time. Take a walk together. That can be some of the easiest and simplest things. If the weather's nice, take a walk. Um, quality time, you could say, hey, we're going to take a walk in the old neighborhood where I grew up. And you start saying, hey, what are some fun memories from your childhood? You know, or what's something that was painful about your childhood? You know, you can have really meaningful conversations. Um, I thought this was cute. I know we don't necessarily have, well, we kind of do have a city park, not necessarily one that has like, well, we have ducks too, I guess. But he said, go to the city park, rent bicycles, ride until you're tired, then sit and watch the ducks. When you get tired of the quacks, roll on to the rose garden, learn each other's favorite color and why. Ask your spouse, what are some fun activities you think you would like to do together? And then just plan one of those activities. I mean, it's as simple as that. If money's a problem and you're like, oh, you know, we can't afford this, find the things you can do that are meaningful and time together that don't cost a lot, okay? All right, um, for again, quality time, dates, date nights are important, okay? Again, it doesn't have to be an expensive activity, all right? Um, I already talked about doing activities your spouse enjoys. I was talking about, you know, the Vols football game, Phantom of the Opera, um, something that I love to do, you know, like yard selling. I know, Mike, we sometimes we go yard selling and something that it's just an activity that, you know, you enjoy. There's times that we've all gone and together, so it can be something as simple as that. Um, planning a weekend getaway, it can be something like that. Spending an evening together at home. But also, having meaningful conversation is an important part of quality time, which means getting to know your spouse. You know, you might start finding open-ended questions to ask, you know. When you grew up, what was your favorite? Who was your favorite teacher? Why? What are some memories you have? Um, when you lived at home, what was the worst mistake your parents ever made? Um, what's something you did as a kid that you felt like your parents were proud of you? I mean, meaningful questions that really help you learn about your spouse. Okay. All right. Receiving gifts. Um, like I said, it can be something real simple. Something that would be really cool. Imagine this. If, you're, if the spouse's love language is receiving gifts. And let's say some random week 
not a birthday, not an anniversary, not Valentine's Day, just some random week you decided for seven days, I'm going to get them a little gift every day. I'm going to leave a little box of candy on Monday. Tuesday, I'm going to just get a couple of flowers and bring them home, or I'm going to get him his favorite cologne or pick up a movie he liked. And then the next day, I'm going to do this. And your spouse, their love language is gifts. I mean, like, it's like, do I say something or don't I? If I say something, it might stop, you know, but what's going on, you know? And you just respond, just trying to fill up your love tank. And you might say, love tank, what are you talking about? Dr. Chapman talks about a concept that's introduced in the book, His Needs, Her Needs, which is how relationships are like bank accounts. And the more money you got in the bank, the better that account looks, right? Well, when you have relationships with people in your life, when you have positive experiences and you have good emotions and quality time and love and feelings, then you have a lot of deposits going into that account. So it raises the amount of love you feel. That's your love bank. That's your love tank. You're feeling really loved. Where the opposite is also true. If you're constantly having arguments and criticisms and fighting, it's like withdrawals keep getting made. And if you're making more withdrawals in that relationship than you are deposits, eventually it gets in the red and you have a lot of problems, right? So if you can continue to show love and to your spouse in the way they feel loved, you're continually keeping their love tank full. You're continually making deposits. And here's what you want. You want your marriage relationship, okay? You want the relationship between husband and wife to have greater deposits and a higher account level than any other relationship in your life, all right? Because that's how affairs happen if the withdrawal, 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 and then someone over here, they have positive, 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 positive. This begins to look more attractive than this. So you want to keep that marriage uplifted. You want to keep it strong. You want to keep the value high, okay? Um, it can also be going through, let's say that you know that um, you used to take walks through this one special uh, part in the woods and so you went and took a walk through the little trail and you might just pick up a little stone or a little stick or a little feather and get home oh I just picked this up as a memento of our little walk I mean just something sentimental didn't cost anything you know then they get out the little paints and put the little you know date maybe you know P and D two twenty one eighteen you know just something simple doesn't cost anything um, you know I mean man you could really even make it cheesy I found this feather, honey, you're the wind beneath my wings, you know, it could be something simple, but you know, for the person that loves gifts, man, it can really mean a lot, seriously, okay? So another thing that you should do if your spouse's love language is gifts is to keep an idea of what they like. Like I said, um, when they say, oh man, look, honey, isn't this so cool? Or maybe they have a Pinterest account and they have things on there that they like, you know, you take note of that, okay? All right acts of service all right the things that maybe you've heard your spouse say man i just have so much on my plate this week i just don't have time you know well, what all do you have to do I've, I've asked my husband this before i remember one time um, on a weekend whenever he took the guys to men's conference and he was coming back home on saturday i think it was national conference and he had to preach twice on sunday and he was so you know and it was in warm weather so the lawn still needed mowed and so saturday i went out got the push mower, put gas in it, and I mowed the lawn. So then when he got home, he didn't have to worry about that, and that meant a lot to him because I took care of something that was off his plate, then he could focus on what he had to do for church the next day, okay? So that just meant a lot to him, and I just showed love for him by performing an act of service, okay? And I mean, it goes without saying that Jesus 
himself became a servant and showed us what being a servant was like. You know, washing his disciples' feet and showing love and going out of his way. Okay, so there's nothing more biblical than showing love to your spouse through acts of service. Okay, something else you can do if you have kids at home is why the spouse is away, get the kids together and say, we're going to do this for dad or we're going to do this for mom, you know, and do something fun or do something for them that's special. Now, they made a suggestion on here that I kind of chuckled because it said, um, maybe while your spouse is gone, you can go in and organize their office. Well, you know, you go in and organize your spouse's office, they may not be able to find anything when they get back, right? Because they may not have it all neat and nice, but they probably have some sort of system where they know this stack is this and this stack is this. So, you know, before you do some major act of service like that, you might just check first, right? Okay. So, you know, all right? So pay attention to the things that your spouse complains about because it's probably a good indication of the things that they would like to see happen. Now, if you're the person that is acts of service and you're really wanting something from your spouse, nagging and complaining usually doesn't get it done. But think about, let's say someone's coming over and you know the lawn needs mowed and you're worried they're not going to do it, and you say something like, man, whenever you mow, the yard always looks so nice. I really appreciate your work. And I just want to thank you in advance because for mowing the lawn before Julie and Ben come over for dinner. I mean, you know, you kind of are asking in a real nice way. They kind of get the idea that this is something you want done, but it's just something done in a very kind, loving way, okay? All right, and lastly, physical touch. This is one that if your spouse's love language is physical touch, it's not a hard one to do, um, unless for you, physical touch is difficult, and we'll talk about that. Um, maybe you're just walking into a grocery store, into Walmart, into the mall, and you just reach out and grab your spouse's hand. Um, while you're eating together, maybe you just kind of sit close to them on the bench so that your, your bodies are touching or your knees are, you know, footsie under the table, you know, kind of thing. So um, back rub, shoulder massage. Um, your spouse is sitting on the couch. It's been a long day. They've been on their feet, and, you know, you give them a foot massage. I know for me, being physical touch, there's times, you know, when my hair, when I've washed it and left it straight, I'll just be like, babe, we brush my hair. And so he'll get the brush. And he used to do that a lot when he was younger because I used to wear my hair straight a lot more. And he would just sit and kind of, we'd watch TV and he'd brush my hair because that to me, I felt loved in that way. Okay. Um, so putting an arm around them, um, maybe whenever they come home and they come in the door, just greeting them with a hug. You know, sometimes they, if someone's physical touch and every time they come home, it's like, oh, hey, babe, what's up, you know. But if you walk in and say, oh, you know, just take a moment to give them a hug. Oh, I missed you. It's really good to see you. Um, my husband, you know, you all know he likes to joke sometimes. And so there are some times I was working and I'd come in and rascal, of course, he's always just biting at the bit when you walk through the door to just chop on you. And I'm like, you know, you know, hey, buddy, you know, how are you doing? And he, he was joking one day, and he's like, oh, I think you're happier to see the dog than you are to see me. I'm like, well, if you come greet me at the door like that, I'll be excited to see you too. <laughs> so we like to tease each other too. Lots of laughter and stuff, so that was fun. So let's see. I got about 10 minutes. All right, so let's run. Um, I'm going to give you, Brother Alex, if you don't mind, can you just give everybody one of those? I think there's enough that everybody can have one if they want. So here's a few frequently asked questions, okay? You might say, what if I'm not really sure if my, 
what's my primary love language, okay? I took the profile, and some of my scores came out almost even. I'm not really sure what it is. Here's some ways that you can confirm if it's right or if it's wrong, okay? First, observe how you most often express love to others, okay? So if you're a person that's constantly doing acts of service for others, that could be your love language. Or maybe if you're a person that's constantly giving other people compliments, okay? So what I've given you is a paper that's just gonna kinda give you a quick summary of each love language, and on the back it's gonna give you ideas on things you can do. By the way, quick note, I forgot to mention this, I remembered it because it's on the paper. Love language being acts of service. If your spouse's love language is acts of service, another way that you show love to them through an act of service is maybe um, dressing up or making yourself look nice when you're gonna be with them, okay? That you took time to fix your hair or put on a nice outfit, um, then that can make a difference. You know, if you're a guy that's always in a holy ratty t-shirt and frayed jeans and that's all they ever see you as or see you wearing and their love language acts of service, it can really mean a lot if you kind of spiff up a little bit, you know, spray on a little cologne. Or if you're the wife and, you know, the only time they ever see you is in your pajamas and, you know, your hair's in a ponytail and you take time to kind of curl it a little bit and put on a cute dress, that can mean a lot to someone whose love language is acts of service because you took time to do that for them. I know there's times that I've been home and my husband we may needed to go somewhere on a Saturday, and I went in the bathroom and used the curling wand on my hair and put something on and, you know, kind of cute. And he's like, you look all nice. You know, why are you all nice? I'm like, because I knew I was going to get to spend the day with you. I wanted to look nice for you, you know, that, and that can mean a lot to your spouse, okay? All right, so observe how you express love to others. Number two, what do you complain about the most, okay? If you're a person that says to your spouse, what I said, I don't think you would ever touch me if I didn't initiate it. You may be revealing that physical touch is your love language. Or maybe your spouse goes on a business trip and you're like, what? You didn't bring me anything? You may have receiving gifts as your language. Or maybe you're a person that says, man, it just don't seem like we ever get to spend any time together. Your love language may be quality time, okay? Your complaints can reveal what your greatest desires are, okay? And number three, what do you request of your spouse the most often? My husband can say right after that, I think my wife requests a back rub every night, you know? And so, because my love language is physical touch. Um, a request for quality time might be, hey, do you think there's any time this month that we could fit in a date night? That's quality time and it's important. And you can kind of start to see that when love languages aren't being met, relationships start to deteriorate and break down and it tends to be more negative there tends to be more arguments because spouses are feeling unloved and unconnected okay um, another way that you might be able to tell if you're trying to determine and you're like you're trying to ask those questions you might try the process of elimination finding out what's most important to you well okay if I had to pick from these five and I'm gonna eliminate this could I live without this yeah I think I could live without that um, and you start going down and eliminating. Of, of these three that are remaining, what, what, what could I give up? And by the process of elimination, you also may be able to determine your love language. Now, you say, well, how do I know for sure? You know, trying to make sure I know my spouse's love language. Maybe, you know, oh, they didn't read the book or they didn't attend the seminar or they, they don't know anything about it. Again, you can run through the same three questions. How does my spouse express love to others? What does my spouse complain about the most? 
what does my spouse request the most often, okay? And even though sometimes our spouse's complaints might irritate us, they can actually really give us valuable information, okay? So let that be not so much a negative, but start listening and let that be an indicator to you of what their primary love language might be. Another thing you can do is to try an experiment, a five-week experiment, five love languages, all right? Each week, Monday through Friday, you pick a love language to speak to your spouse, okay? First week, you might say, I'm going to speak words of affirmation every day to my spouse for a week. Then Saturday, Sunday, you rest. The next Monday, you say, this week, I'm going to ensure that we get quality time together, and I'm going to spend time with my spouse. And for five weeks, each week, you concentrate on doing one love language, okay? And typically, on the week that you're speaking your spouse's primary love language, you're probably going to see a difference in their countenance, in their response, and how they respond to you. And that can be a good way to figure it out as well, if you're unsure. Now here's something that's a very common question. People say, can your love language change as you get older? You know, does your love language change over time? Dr. Chapman says that he believes that our primary love language, primary, tends to stay the same over a lifetime, okay? Now, it's kind of like I was speaking about other personality traits that, you know, we kind of, maybe if we were born organized, we'll stay organized, and thus and so. Now, maybe your primary love language is words of affirmation, okay? That's your primary. But at this stage of your life, you're the mother of three preschool children. Then acts of service from your spouse can probably become extremely attractive to you. So if your primary love language is words of affirmation, but you're the mother of three children, and your husband only ever says, I love you, you did a good job, they may start thinking, I am so tired of hearing him say that. I wish he would just help me. He's not lifting a hand to help me. So for years, it may appear that acts of service has kind of become your primary love language, okay? But it's more because of necessity and that time in your life but if this person, their primary is words of affirmation, if that would completely cease from their life and they ever, ever had acts of service, then they would start to reveal, oh, wait a minute, that is my primary. So there is times in your life where they'll fluctuate. Um, for example, my husband's is acts of service, but he scored really high quality time this go around. Well, life for Pastor and I is very busy. You know, um, we're subbing at the school, we're doing these prison conferences, we have just, you know, the kids and their activities, we have a lot on our plate. So that's a need that's arisen in our life. It's very rare that he and I just get quality one-on-one -on -one time with each other. And you might say, well, you've gone to spring conference, you got, but you know, I'm talking quality time. When you're going to a prison conference, that's not quality time. We're ministering in a prison with 28 other people, right? So that has risen up high on his scoring because that's a need that we have in our, is trying to carve out time for quality time. Another example of this would be um, maybe your spouse um, experiences the death of a parent, the death of a close friend. And at that point, words may not mean as much as just wrapping your arms around them and saying, I love you, I'm here for you, and just holding them so that they can cry. Because at that moment, a hug, an extended hug at that time may be the most meaningful thing in that moment, okay? So while physical touch may not be the primary love language, it's extremely meaningful in a moment like that because sometimes words aren't enough, right? Okay, good, I'm just about done. What if the primary love language of your spouse is difficult for you? 
Like, you're like, that's their love language. But, man, my spouse's love language is physical touch. I didn't grow up in a touchy-feely family, and I just it's so hard for me to do that. It's so hard for me to initiate hugging them or holding their hand, okay? The good news is, is that love languages can be learned. And we may grow up having only spoken one or two, maybe three of them, that actually come natural, but the others can be learned, okay? And the idea is just to start small. If, if physical touch is your spouse's love language, you might start, you know, you're pouring their coffee and you just kind of, you know, give them a shoulder pat. Or maybe you walk by and just kind of, you know, give them a little shoulder punch or something like that. It's kind of like those small steps that kind of start breaking it down so that you feel more comfortable, okay? Um, it can also be true, another good example, like if you're not a words of affirmation person, you're not good at speaking and giving compliments, make you a little list, make you a little cheat sheet, make you a little note, you know. Today, sometime, I'm going to tell my spouse this, and read what you've written, get it in your mind how you want to say it. Don't have to be a paragraph, it can just be a sentence. And then make it a point that sometime in that day, I'm going to speak this to my spouse, okay. So start small. You know, Rome wasn't conquered in a day, but you're showing effort. You're, you're trying. You're trying to show love. And I promise you, if that's your spouse's love language, and they start getting little inklings. I mean, if you're thirsty, even a little drop of water on the tongue can be so satisfying, okay? So continue to work on it. Continue to grow, okay? And there may be times that you feel like, I know I'm speaking my spouse's love language, and they're just not responding, okay? There's two possibilities to that. One, you may be speaking what you think is your spouse's love language, and it really isn't their love language, okay? Again, like I said, sometimes um, wives automatically assume, I know my husband's love language, it's physical touch, you know, all they care about is intimacy, that's all they care about, you know, um, and so they're trying to speak their love language and make themselves available and show love, and they seem like, well, he's not responding like I thought he would, well, it may be that that's not truly his love language, while he may appreciate physical intimacy or physical touch, if he has a different primary love language, then it's, he's not going to feel as loved. Here's the other possibility, if you're speaking your spouse's love language, and it seems like they're not responding, there is a possibility that they could be invested in another relationship, whether it be emotionally, sexually, another type of relationship that has become more important than the marriage, okay? And so at that point, they could even perceive that your efforts, they're just temporary, they're not sincere, they're just trying to manipulate me to stay in the marriage. They're, and so they're not responding because they think you have ulterior motives. So even if, and it can come down to like, even if let's say your spouse is not involved with someone else, but your relationships have been very hostile for a long time, they may still perceive, well, these, these efforts are manipulative. So they purposely withhold themselves from responding. And the, and the thing that what people want to do in this effort is just, I tried, I'm done. I give up. I'm not going to try. But you've got, you can't give up. You've got to determine in your mind that I'm going to continue to speak their love language on a regular basis no matter the response, okay? Your attitude's got to be whatever the response, I'm going to love them in their love language for the long haul so that even at some point, if my spouse chooses to walk away from me, they're going to walk away from someone who is trying to love them unconditionally, okay? So speaking your spouse's love language can make all the difference, okay? Um, then you say, well, what do I do if I have a love language and my spouse won't speak my language? Then what, you know? Um, bottom line is you can't make your spouse speak your love language, right? Because love's a choice. 
You can't make your spouse do anything because then it's not love. It's a demand, right? Okay? So maybe your spouse grew up in a home where maybe your love language is words of affirmation and your spouse grew up in a home where there weren't, it was a shortage of positive words and there was a lot of criticism and a lot of negativity. Your spouse, it may not be that they don't want to speak words of affirmation. They may have just never had a good example and they feel like they don't really know how right? They need someone to teach them. They need someone to show them, okay? So it's kind of like learning to speak a language that's foreign to you. Man, when you first start seeing, I know that Brother Mason at times has shown us how they write things in Hebrew or how Japanese characters, I mean, that just, you look at it, it's like, it, you know, it's like Greek to me, <laughs> you know? I mean, seriously, you're like, how does anyone learn to read this or speak this? Because it's like learning. But here's the thing. It may be a challenge, but your marriage is worth it. Your marriage is worth the challenge to try to speak, okay? Another reason why that your spouse may choose not to always speak the love language is that maybe as a spouse you've made some changes and, and, and she fears that if she begins to speak lovingly and your words, maybe it's words of affirmation, that then the spouse is going to say, hey, I'm doing good enough. I can just stop right here. The idea that, oh, well, if I speak their love language, then I'm rewarding mediocrity, and they got more improvements to make, so I'm going to withhold it until I think that they've done a good enough job. But that's a myth that's got to be real, because you go back to the love tank, right? You go back to the love tank idea. You want to keep your spouse's love tank full, and if you're the one that's constantly making withdrawals, they're not going to be attracted to that relationship with you. Okay, so here's a good suggestion. You say, well, my, my spouse isn't speaking my love language to me, okay? So you might go to them and say, you might go to Paul and say, babe, on a scale of 1 to 10, how full would you say your love tank is? You know, how good do you feel about our relationship? And if the answer is anything less than 10, then, well, what can I do to help fill it? What can I do to make you feel more loved? And then I say, well, you could do this, you could do that. And so you do that. You choose to do that. And if you'll just ask that question once or twice a week and then seek to fulfill those needs, probably what's going to happen is at some point your, your spouse might say, well, how full is your love tank? What can I do to help fill it? And then you can kind of help teach them, well, you know, I'd really feel loved if we did such and such or if we had some time together or whatnot, okay? So, hey, I'm five minutes. It's time for me to shut it down. So last question. You might be sitting in here and say, well, I'm single. How can this apply to me? Okay? Singles can understand their love language, and it can follow out into other relationships. Just like I talked about love languages with my children, love languages can cross barriers, not just marriage, but friendships and siblings and things like that. It can also help us understand how, as a child, when we grew up, whether we felt loved or whether we felt unloved right? Let's say you were a child and your love language of physical touch, but you had a dad that wasn't real touchy-feely, but man, he provided for the family and went to work and made sure there was food on the table. And how many times have you heard the dad say, my family should know that I love them. I worked 30 years to provide for them, put food on the table, make sure they were cared for. Um, one young man said, I realized that my love language is physical touch, but my mom never really hugged me. I never really got hugged from my mom. Her, she spoke love through acts of service. She worked hard to get us in food and clothes and provide a place to live. And now I realize my mom did love me and she was showing me love in her own way. She just didn't speak my love language. 
So he felt unloved as a child because mama wasn't speaking his love language. But now he realized she did love me because he had the understanding about love languages, okay? So expressing love in a person's love language can enhance all relationships, okay? If you'll stand with me tonight. You guys got homework this week. You got a lot of information you're taking home with you about love languages. If you need to, go sign up for the email. But I want you to start speaking your spouse's love language, okay? I highly recommend, if you're a reader or if you can listen to an audible book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman is an amazing book. I wish I could just sit up here and read it to you. But also, let me give you one other recommendation. There is also a book called The Five Love Languages of Forgiveness. And when there's been a lot of hostility and negativity in relationships, this can be a book that tells you how to bring about healing, restoration, and forgiveness in relationships through your love languages and how spouses feel forgiven and how they feel love and reconnection, okay? So excellent books. So I hope you all have you enjoyed this night. Have you learned something about yourself and about your spouse? So let's, it's, I'm hoping that it just revolutionizes some relationships because it sure did mine. Pastor, do you care to come up and, and dismiss us in prayer tonight? And I might even hold your hand while you do it. <laughs> just another reminder of that special offer. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.